Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. All right. Now let's Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Steve. For Thanks for joining us today. I'm going to finish the series called by the King this morning and look at a message that's a little bit different than my normal style per se. I want to look at we are called to be people of the word. So many people today don't understand the Bible. Our culture has moved away from its biblical foundations significantly. Uh, Christians, uh, maybe church staff particularly, uh, don't always realize that because we think about God, we think about Jesus, we we read our our Bibles, and, and we don't realize that culture has gravitated as far as they have away from it. Occasionally, I get glimpses of how far we have moved from our biblical foundations. Someone gave me a set of cards that teachers used to use to teach the alphabet to children. Uh, I'm sure you've seen these cards. They have a picture of some object and then a capital letter and a lowercase level letter on every single card. It, you know, A is for apple kind of a thing. And the apple helps the kid associate with the letter A. Well, these cards all had biblical pictures on the cards. They were meant and were used at one time in public schools. The A had an ark. The B had a picture of the Bible. The C had the stone tablets for the covenant. The D had a dove. The assumption was that kids would either already know those symbols or that the teacher would teach the kids those biblical concepts and things as they taught little kids the alphabet, faith, education, character development in our country used to be all integrated into school. There is no way that would fly in the public school system today. Uh, A church member here, Bob Tilka, gave me an old print for pastor appreciation one year, and it was a Daisy BB gun ad. I actually have a picture of it that I photographed so you could see it. The ad, which was probably run in American Boy magazine in the 1920s or 30s, uh, after I did a little bit of research on it, so a hundred years ago, used the story of David and Goliath to sell BB guns. In that write-up, David is actually described as one of history's great marksmen that every boy really wants to be like. A company would never run an ad like that today. It's not politically correct, and some people wouldn't even know the story. How crazy is that? The word of God was once so foundational that from learning the alphabet to having parents buy a BB gun for their kids referenced the Bible. Now, many people don't even know those accounts of those biblical figures. How does that happen? The answer is very slowly over time. 
In contrast to that, here's what the author of Hebrews says about the word of God. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Scripture is the truth, and it is living and active. It is alive. These are not just words on a page. These are accounts of how God revealed himself to us. And through those accounts, we, not just, we just don't know about God. We know God through his word. His truth has the power to transform lives. It makes those who are dead in sin alive again. It's powerful enough to change a person's thinking and behavior. It can change the trajectory of someone's life. It can change your destiny. Sort of a a related question. Who has more than one Bible in your home. Anybody have more than one Bible in your home? Uh, if you're watching us online, you can put got Bibles in the comment section. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand again, but how many of us, if we were honest, would say that we didn't read the Bible every day this week? And we're the church. We're the people that say we believe this is the living, powerful word of God that transforms lives. But often, we don't meet God here. How can that be? Because even though the Bible is the number one best seller, it has actually been for generations. They actually took it off the bestseller list because the Bible is always number one. Always. And even though most people have a copy, some people more than one, many of us don't develop the discipline of developing that practice of relating to God through his word. Here's what that little sling-carrying marksman said in Psalm 119.16. I delight in your decrees. I will not Neglect your word. David says, I will not neglect your word. I won't set it aside. I won't set it on the shelf. I won't forget about it. Instead, I am going to delight in it. Why? Because this is the word of God. It's living. It's active. John says this in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. John 14, says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This word shows us Jesus. It shows us how to relate to him, how to serve him, how to follow him, how to love God and our neighbor. 
The world desperately needs not to neglect the word of God. I want to share with you this morning a a little slice of the miracle. It is just having this word in our homes, in English, is. And we're going to cover some church history this morning. I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, please don't put me to sleep. It's a little cool in here. It'll keep you awake this morning. Well, God started the ball moving with revealing his word with those 12, uh, 10 commandments, um, and he wrote them in Hebrew on tablets on Mount Sinai. And ever since then, God has been revealing himself to his people. They have been repeating those lessons and writing them down ever since. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, are called the Pentateuch, just for information. And scribes have been meticulously copying those books onto animal skins for centuries. If all five of those books were on one scroll, it's called the Torah. Unrolled, a Torah would be 150 feet long. It would take an entire flock of sheep to create one Torah with the first five books of the Bible in it. Around 500 B.C., the 39 books of the Bible that we know as the Old Testament were complete and preserved in scrolls in the Hebrew language. By the end of the first century AD, the books we know as the New Testament were complete and preserved in ancient Greek on papyrus. And papyrus is just a plant that they pressed together like a reed kind of a thing and wrote on it. In 393 AD, at the African Senate of Hippo, All the books that we have in our Bible were recognized officially. By 500 AD, the Bible was translated into over 500 languages. And people all over the world were grateful to have the word of God in their own language. And I think up until that point, things were going really, really well. But this is where it gets interesting. The next 100 years or so, by 600 AD, the Bible was only allowed to be in one language. The Catholic Church in Rome issued a decree that no Bible was allowed in existence if it was not written in Latin. All the others were burned. Yes, the Catholic Church had that kind of power. And anyone who had a Bible that was in another language other than Latin was actually executed. Priests were the only people educated in Latin at the time. So everyday folks could not read the Bible. That gave priests almost unlimited power. They could teach and say whatever they wanted. They could omit parts of biblical teaching and even teach things that weren't specifically in the scriptures and no one knew the difference. As a result, the church became very corrupt. Money, control, manipulation, 
paying for forgiveness through indulgences, paying for deceased family members to be free from purgatory, which isn't a biblical concept. There was a forced ignorance in the world that lasted from about 400 A.D. to 1400 A.D., and that thousand years became known as the Dark Ages. That time ended because God used his word to set people free. Men like Columba of Ireland, a priest who illegally copied the book of Psalms and the Gospels, and then fought his cousin, the king, in order to keep that copy. He then fled and established with 12 other men a monastery in Scotland that became influential in getting the word into people's hands for the next 700 years. God used those men who had been influenced by that monastery to start the Protestant Reformation. In 1384, a man by the name of John Whitcliffe and some other scholars became the first people ever to translate the Bible into English. Whitcliffe was faithful in spreading God's word, but unfortunately he was called a heretic, and the Pope was so upset that he translated the word and gave Bibles to people in their own language that 44 years after his death, the Pope had his bones dug up and burned and then spread throughout a river. Some people say that Wycliffe was the morning star of the Protestant Reformation because of his opposition to the corruption of the church. Wycliffe had a student by the name of John Huss. And Huss was equally passionate about getting the Bible into common people's hands. Huss, too, was called a heretic and was burned at the stake. But get this. What do you think they used to light the fire to burn Huss at the stake? Whitcliffe's Bibles. Huss was heard singing hymns as he burned. And his final words before they actually lit the fire became a prophecy that went through the ages. At the stake, these were his final words. In the next 100 years, God will raise up a call for reform that you cannot suppress. And it happened. God raised up Martin Luther, who was so fed up with the corruption of the church and believed that God was calling him to bring reform that on All Hallows' Eve, that's right, All Saints' Day or Halloween, he took what became known as the 95 Theses and he nailed them to the church door in Wittenberg. People call it the knock that was heard around the world because God used those charges of corruption to spark the Protestant Reformation. God used Martin Luther to translate the Bible into German, and he used the Gutenberg's printing press to mass-produce the Bible and get it into people's hands. He was also called the heretic. People wanted to kill him. He spent much of his life on the run. About that same time, an Oxford professor named John Coley 
translated the Bible into English from the original Greek and Hebrew for the very first time. He actually became a royal chaplain, and he preached. This is heresy. He preached in England, in English, to over 20,000 people. You can still visit that church today. Uh, Unfortunately, only about 200 people gather there, and they're mostly tourists. But those people in John's day were so hungry for the word of God that they fled to that church. They clung to the word of God, preached in their own language. In 1526, William Tyndale became the first to translate the Bible in English from Greek instead of um, the Vulgate, which was in Latin. That's awesome. The bad news is it was illegal. Anyone caught with a Tyndale Bible was immediately executed. People used to smuggle Bibles like they smuggle drugs today. They used to put them in cotton bales. They used to put them in bags of flour. The king even had spies that were expressly, their job was to go around and try to buy Bibles so they could burn them. But Tyndale, who was a great businessman, used that money to just print even more and more Bibles. Tyndale was a wanted man, was on the run for 11 years because he wanted people to have the chance to read the Bible in their own language and experience God. Sadly, they caught up with him, incarcerated him before they decided to burn him at the stake in 1536. Tyndale's last words were a prayer to which people will remember forever. He prayed this, O Lord, Open the eyes of the king of England. And three years later, in 1539, God answered that prayer. Not only did the king of England print Bibles, the king funded the project and sent the word of God all around his kingdom for free. In many places around the world, the Bible has not been set free. It's still illegal to have a copy in places. As crazy as it sounds, Christianity often flourishes where it's not legal to have the scriptures. We tend to take for granted the sacrifice and the blood that was shed so that we could have the living word of God in our own language. Many people today have never heard the stories of sacrifice, that getting this book into our hands required. And you probably won't ever hear them in public school either. Scripture says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is how we know And see Jesus, the word, became flesh. To know him, to serve him, to follow him. In order to do that well, we must feed on his word. Let me circle back to Psalm 119.16 again. David says, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I will not neglect your word. 
Would you say that with me? Because it's living and active. I will not neglect your word. One more time. I will not neglect your word. I think at New Stanton Church, we can take advantage and not neglect the word through connect groups and making worship a priority, making Sunday school a priority for our kids. Uh, We're actually going to be starting a middle school and high school class during the sermon so that uh, middle and high school kids could actually come worship here and then go for some discipleship during the message and then join up with their families afterwards. Sunday mornings, it will start probably in July, so keep tuned, we'll make an announcement. And then just that daily time with God in the Word is critical to who we are. I want to close with uh, a personal story. I read the Bible for the first time when I was 13 years old. And this is actually the Bible that I started reading. I I got it for Christmas in 1983. And uh, I want to read what my mom wrote on the inside cover as we close. Stephen, this is the most valuable gift we will ever give you. In its pages, you will find the guidelines to live your entire life. But my son, in order ah, to be guided by the wisdom of God that these pages contain, you must decide to make a daily effort to read them. Yes, even if it's only 10 minutes a day, you must begin. Learning that discipline now and following it through will change your life. Remembering Hebrews 12:11 that for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness or growth in, of character. To those who have been trained by it, we have fallen short of being perfect parents, son. But we hold fast to the promise God gave us in Proverbs 22.6. Train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that way, son, is with Jesus as your Savior, trusting him to help you in everything, to lead you in all your decisions, and to give you strength when the going gets tough. You're growing up. I was 13. (laughs) You're growing up about to reach your teen years when making decisions will become more your job than ours. When pleasing your friends will be more important than pleasing us. I pray you will get into God's word, son, now. Be solidly grounded in your faith with a true knowledge of right from wrong. Then it will be easier to make the right decisions and remember that we are always here for you to talk to. We love you, Steve, and want God's very best for you. 
love mom and dad. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for what thousands and thousands of leaders throughout history have done in order for us to hold in our hands your living, active, life-changing word. And God, I want to take a moment to pray for parents and grandparents. God, all of us who are charged with passing this faith, this word, on to the next generation. It's true that this is more caught than taught. So God, help us not only to read it, to live it, but God, to immerse ourselves in our relationship with you so that it becomes something, God, the next generation desires because of the love they see in us. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Scripture says, come, taste and see that I am good. The body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. God, we come to taste and see. We come to experience your word firsthand. We come to experience you at the table where your grace and truth and mercy is found. God, help us to be people of the word, called, saved, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. In Jesus' name, amen. New Stanton Church practices an open communion. That means all are welcome to share in this meal with us. If you would take the cellophane from the wrapper of the communion element and just peel that back. I make it sound so easy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. Then if you would pull back the foil on the cup. The blood of Christ shed for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. God, we are so thankful for your grace, for your cleansing, for the way that your blood makes us white as snow. And God, if there is even one person within the sound of my voice that has never acknowledged their own sin and their need for a Savior that can be found only in your Son, I pray, God, that they would just say, Jesus, I need you. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. 
I'm going to dig into the word and experience more of you. And I'm thankful for your love and your forgiveness that's found in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com. Follow the Get Involved tab and RSVP to our next meet and greet.